This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Very excited about this episode. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Toll, talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And I have a few favorite bands. And, you know, over the years, you know, you listen to new music and, and you know, your rankings, I guess, change. But for me... There's been one band that's always been in my top five, my top three, and that is Lagwagon. And what a band, so many great songs, so many great records, a band that I will always go see whenever they're in my hometown, and a person in their lead singer, Joey Cape, that I respect so much, not just for his work with Lagwagon as the singer, as the songwriter, but also so many of his other projects as well, and I am so happy that I was able to get him to do this. I've been, you know, I don't think, I wouldn't say I've been trying to get him for 113 episodes or whatever it's been, but I'd say when I started this thing, he was right there at the top of the list of somebody that I really wanted to speak to. So thank you so much to Vanessa from Frat Records, getting him, hooking him up, get him on the show, and thanks for Joey for the conversation. And uh, this was a really fun one. So thank you so much, everybody for tuning in. Uh, Before we get to that, again, thank you for being here. We have done so many of these episodes. The podcast is is continuing to grow, and thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for telling your friends. And, And I think, you know, word of mouth is really what makes this thing grow. So if you like this episode, if you like the other episodes, whatever it is, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles, tell them all, and, uh, I think that that's the key here. And I know some people are going to tune in because this is, you know, from a scene, 
you know, the 90s skate punk scene, whatever you want to call it. I know a lot of people are tuning in just for this one. So please go back and check out some of our other punk rock episodes that we have. Like, I have Fat Mike from No Effects, which is a great episode. I had Thomas from Strike Anywhere. Uh, I had Scott from Unwritten Law. The list goes on and on. So there's tons of back episodes, so check them all out. If you want to get in touch with me, it is very easy. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com, and I read all my emails. Sometimes I... I'm not great at getting back to them, but I do read all of them. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, we have a bit of a revamped Facebook page. So if you don't already like us on Facebook, go check that out. And we're doing a lot more on there. Uh, and also, if maybe you're not so happy with my job here interviewing Mr. Joey Cape, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sucking. Maybe you want to let me know. Feel free to call the hate line. one 657 666-HATE. That's 1-657-666-H-A-T-E. Leave a message for me. Give me the hate. I love the hate. And uh, yes, get in touch. I do check out all of this stuff. Also, before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about the best place online to pick up band merchandise. And I know you have places like Hot Topic uh, and, you know, they have, you know, pretty much the same thing at every store across the country. Um, and you got places like Amazon and eBay, which you got to watch out for because those two websites, you don't always know what you're getting. There's a lot of bootleg stuff, counterfeit stuff on there. I had a fan pick me up a Black Flag shirt, which was really nice, a great gesture. And my birthday is coming up, actually, uh, in, geez, a week. Wow. So if anyone wants to buy me anything, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how you can do that. But they bought me a Black Flag shirt, and it was awesome, and I still wear it, even though after I washed it, it shrunk up to my belly button, and the print was basically washed off the shirt, and it was, you know, not straightened on the shirt. And that happens when you pick up stuff on Amazon sometimes. So here's where you should go to buy band merchandise. It's called rockabilia.com. It's rockabilia.com. They are the best place online They have over 500,000 unique items. So yes, Hot Topic, they have licensed stuff, but you're going to be walking around town with the same thing that everybody has. And of course, 500,000 items, they can't put that in their store. Rockabilia is the best place. So go check it out. And also, remember that all the stuff is officially licensed from all the bands. So when you're supporting Rockabilia and buying a shirt or a hoodie or whatever merchandise on there, that money is going directly back into the hands of the band. So you can feel really good about it. But the best of all, I have a promo code I'm going to give you that will give you 15% off your entire order. Use promo code PCLSS when you check out. Throw it in there. You'll save 15% off your entire order today. So check it out, rockabilia.com. And again, the promo code is PCLSS. If you live in the United States of America, well, congratulations. Uh, I'm on tour right now. My band Silverstein, we're on tour with Tonight Alive on a little co-headline bill. Right now I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a beautiful night out here. We're headed to Texas, Florida, the whole East Coast, some dates in the Midwest. So make sure you check that out and come say hi. And the tickets for that can be found at thegetfreetour.com. So yeah, come on, hang out, say hi again, thegetfreetour.com. Well, anyways, let's jump in to a conversation with one of my favorite frontmen of all time, Mr. Joey Cape of Lagwagon. Five, four, now. Take me 
Hello? Hey. Hey, man. How are you? I'm okay. You know, I'm in the <laughs> studio working. We're still working but, in the uh, studio. That's, yeah. That sounds like the Joey Cape. Uh, I'm recording, by the way. Uh, <laughs> just so you know. So we're going to talk for 15 yeah. minutes, and you're like, oh, so when are we going to start the interview? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fine with me. Uh, no, dude. Um, Joey Cape, Mr. Studio Man, all the time, it seems like you're just always recording. I try. I try to keep working, you know I mean? I, I think it's sort of, you know, key. You have to try to stay creative and keep doing things or else you get complacent and not do anything. And I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Why would, <laughs> what else would I be doing? I, I don't guess. smoke weed, you know. I can't sit on a couch all day and smoke a bong. Well, you can just smoke weed while you're recording if you want to. It works <laughs> yeah. for some people. True. That's true. <laughs> so what, what's the what's the project right now? If you can spill the beans on it, uh, I'm working on a solo record. Um, it's sort of like just I'm working with a friend of mine who's producing, and um, and it's just we're periodically getting together when I'm not on tour or not doing other things, and he's not busy, and so it's it's kind of a long term, you know, project. I think. Uh, it could be a long time before it's done. Right, right. Like we make the we're making the joke like 2022 every day because it's just you know, yeah. But it's it's really fun and it's 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 going great. I'm really excited about it. So yeah, well, I mean, you've worked cool. on you've worked on so many different recording projects over the years. I mean, you know, typically how somebody makes a record, you know, a band goes in the studio, they make a record, they kind of work on it every day, um, you know, for a couple weeks or whatever it is. Um, but you seem to like to do it, well, not that way at all. Either you like to do a record in like one week or you like to spread it out over like a long period of time. But when you, yeah. when you, when you record like you're recording now where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to step away from it, does it make it harder to make decisions because you come back to something and you don't know how you feel about it, you're not in the moment like you are? You know, no, you actually, a- I think it serves the opposite purpose. You, 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 know, you get away from it because you go and do other things, so you kind of clear your head of it. And then you right. come back, and all of those things, when, when you're looking at something under a microscope, you get lost. And you lose the big picture, you know? So when you go away and you come back to it, there's this really great thing that happens for me over and over again, which is like, oh, I understand this now. Right. I see what we need to do. And then you do it. And um, and, uh, so I find that it's like, yeah, it really is, serves a great purpose to do things, you know, in spurts. And it gives you rough drafts, you know? And... I think that if anything is a downside, it's just that you find yourself changing a lot of things. I'll often, you know, once I've heard a song a few times outside of the studio, I can hear it better for some reason in the studio. I can't, but I get outside and I'm listening to it while I'm doing something at home, you know, singing along to it. And I think this is the wrong key. This is too fast. No matter how careful you are, those things happen. And then you go back. And the greatest thing about it is, you you know you punched your way through a track because you're just having a hard time playing it, and then you listen to it for a while and you go back and do it in one take and it's way better. Yeah, totally. But that's the like, same. I love that. But that's the same as as you know when you're on tour. That's how things happen too. Yeah, you know. What yeah, I mean? remember it's- that thing where you wish that you could every record was like your first record because <laughs> your first record is a band you get to play the record for years or a year before you record it. And then, you know, you do production in the studio, so things change or whatever, but 
it's a well-oiled machine when you go in. Then you get to like your third record and everything's new. Yeah. And there's always these regrets that come with it because you got a month or two or, or a week or whatever it is that your budget is to make your record. So, you know, there's you long for those days where I remember we played the first Lagwagon album. We played that for years sure. before we recorded it. So we did the whole thing live in three days. That's something I can never do now, ever. With no, a band. I, it blows my mind. And you it sounds like that. It sounds like crap when I hear it. I go, yeah, it sounds like a band that did it live in three days and didn't own guitar tuners, you know. But you know, it has a thing. Yeah, no, I, I still actually like Duh. I was Duh was always my well, what I said was my favorite record. I think it really was trashed, but I wanted to say I was, you know edgy and be and pick your first record but i do like the record a lot in my you talk about three days and, and the things that get past that you don't notice like i think it's at the end of um is it mr coffee where it's like da, 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 and the bass the last bass note is completely the wrong note oh yeah it's just it's I, not even like out of tune it's just nope the wrong I'm note and it's certain, just left i'm certain that that happened and we all laughed and went no leave it because okay. it's such a ridiculous ending. Yeah, yeah. That, that is something that was almost definitely intentional <laughs> by accident, probably. Yeah. But who knows, man? No, anyway. no, so what's this whole lead singer syndrome thing about? Is that a topic or is it uh, just you're interviewing singers or yeah. talking, chat, chatting with singers? That's, that's, yeah, that's what I do. I, I talk to, you know, I talk to other lead singers about what it's like and how difficult their lives are. You know, rolling into Shakutami and uh, do you remember that? When we were in Shakutami together and we got <laughs> had a lot of the sauce and I, was having I think a good time, we joined man. a Lagwagon cover band on stage at one point. Do you know what Shikutami. I mean? Shakutami. Love it's that place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, no, oh, but yeah. I, I mean, the podcast is just, you know, I've had so many conversations with, with people over the years and, and you know, just, just lead singer to lead singer in a dressing room and it's like, this is shit that never gets out, you know? Nobody talks about this stuff in interviews. Like, And when you have a bit longer to talk, you know, you have you know, more than just the standard 15, 20-minute interview. That's when you yeah. dig deep and you get actually something interesting about it. You know, you know not just the same thing well, you hear in every have, fucking interview. I, I, you know, I agreed to do this thing. I heard it was you, and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's do it. And then I, I, I texted uh, Vanessa, you know, uh, who set it up. I texted her and said, oh, what's this one about? And she said, it's called lead singer syndrome. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my, I had some thoughts for you. Okay, I'm ready. Um, I'm ready. Well, I'll tell you something. I think it's a kind of, it's kind of like that the drummer needs the girlfriend to pay his rent because right. he's oh, a totally. loser. You know, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, that's, that's a kind of thing. It's kind of bullshit. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it's bullshit on both sides, empathy, empathy and, um, criticism. And, and I'll tell you why. And I think I know, cause I've done it long enough. <laughs> most lead singers on one hand, most lead singers are the songwriters in the band. And yep. there's, there's a position where if you're the songwriter in the band and on stage, you're the guy with the mic. So you're the spokesperson a dynamic automatically is uh, automatically is created, you know, uh, within the band and also the perception of the band. It's like after years and years, it becomes like, yeah, oh yeah, you know, Bad Religion with Greg Graffin. You know what I mean? Um, sure. And, 
and and or uh, you know a million other cases, you know. And then the singer eventually might do some solo stuff if he's the creative type and writes songs. So there gets to be this sort of dynamic that is mostly perceived by an audience, but then somehow can infect the band as well. Right. And I think I've done a pretty good job of keeping my band a gang and a loyal place for members that have equal say, regardless of the fact that I'll work two years on the songs before we record them. (laughs) And, you know, they're complaining about a month of work. But I, I, you know... (laughs) I think I See, think it's let me stop you for a second. That's like comments like that, right? That that people go, yeah. Oh, look at this guy's you know. But but continue, this is great. But I think the other side of the coin is the guys that maybe the guitar player writes songs in the band yeah. and they're like the sunset strip metal guys and they're like the dudes that just wanted to be singers because they're they have massive egos and they love to be in front of people and that's where that kind of started is the sunset strip Hollywood kind of like, Oh, totally. And those dudes, it's like me, a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> because I'm, you know, it's not why I'm doing this. I never not. wanted to be a singer. You know, I had a lead singer guy. I had the syndrome guy. When I was in the band that before Lagwagon, that I left Lagwagon left to join Lagwagon. When I was in that band, we had a lead singer and our lead singer was a, dick he was the kind of guy would show up he'd show up in the studio when we were demoing without a shirt on and two girls and a bottle of jack daniels like he was that guy yeah and he'd come in and he couldn't sing for shit he didn't write any songs i was writing the songs and he kept doing that and then finally one day we got in an argument because we're spending all our hard-earned money on our demo tape and we got in an argument with this guy and he was like I fucking quit, man. Good luck without me. So we ended up, we tried the drummer singing, then we tried the bass player singing, and then I went out in front of the mic and sang the songs I wrote, and I sounded like a shitty James Hetfield, and <laughs> that was it. The rest was history. You know, I became like this uh, guy that had to sing for a band, and I never wanted to. I wanted to write songs. I would rather write songs for Nashville country recording artists than be on stage. I'm not a guy who enjoys it. I just learned how to do it. Right. Well, so that's, that's the thing. Man. I'm always offended by the idea, the notion, you know what I mean? Like I just, that it's just my job. And I'm unfortunately the guy with the mic. No, it's, it's, and that's, you wouldn't believe how many people have the same story. You know, I've talked yeah. to, I've talked to both people like you and you know, the shirt, the shirtless guy. I've talked to both kind of, kind of types of people, but I would say a vast majority of them are just like that. Didn't want to, didn't want to sing, but I was the only one in the room that could sort of carry a tune. Right, and, exactly. and that was what it was like for me too. I was a guitar player first, and in some ways, I still feel like I'm a guitar player, even though I've been in this band for, you know, nearly 20 years, uh, not even playing mm-hmm. guitar on stage. I still, I'm still think of myself as a guitar player. I still have like 15 guitars in my house, and all. You know, it, it's it really is funny, and, and I think the title of the podcast is meant to be tongue in cheek. Yeah, know? totally. Um, but it is like once in a while, I'll get a guy on the show that's. And, and, you know, the best part is like, you know, the shirtless guy that, that those kinds of people, <laughs> I love it. they, they, <laughs> they don't the usually worst. know that they're that guy when they're that no. guy. No. Like, oh no, I'm a songwriter. I wrote like a verse once, you know, uh, yeah, meanwhile, oh, I, they I don't love... realize that someone else spent real, like, you know, the it's... whole other time doing all this other stuff, you know? And by the way, to all you guitar players out there, when you write a riff, you're not a songwriter. 
<laughs> so just stop doing that. Stop showing up and going, yeah, that I wrote that one. I wrote that one on the record. It's like, okay, dude, you had a little lick. And then we created a song out of it. So yeah. you're right. You're right. And, and um, <laughs> that's, that's a bit of a lead singer syndrome statement to say. Uh, it's, it totally is, but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, I would call it a songwriter syndrome. You, you I know. mean, I'm a songwriter and I believe that the reason that I sing is because I can't afford to hire a better singer. That is literally <laughs> why I sing half the projects I do. I, I fantasize about, God, wouldn't it be amazing if I could get Sarah McLaughlin to come in here and sing this song right now? I love my song I wrote. I'm really <laughs> proud of it like a baby, but I don't want to ruin it. But here I go again. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's it for me. It's that I have maybe a slightly different perspective, but you know, you it's a heavy weight to carry, and I, I don't mean this for any kind of sympathy because I expect none. I'm very fortunate. But you become a person as a songwriter and a singer of a band where the band is identified with the voice of that band. Sure. You have dependence. I have a child. I know that it's a little bit like having children. You have dudes that depend on you. Like, we have to go on tour. It's not that easy for them to replace me because it doesn't sound like the same band anymore. <laughs> if Greg Raffin was replaced in Bad Religion, they, I use them as an example because... Sure. There is a band that would absolutely not be the same band. And that's not my fault. No, it's, you know it's what not I mean? your fault at all. It's all you know, it's but funny. I don't always want to go on tour, and I don't always want to make punk records. Sometimes I want to make other kinds of records. Right. Well, so it, 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 and, it can be a little bit tough. Of course, but of course the other members of your band are free to do other projects and other things in their lives, too. They're that's, a slave to you. Right. Exactly, man. So That's it. You just you know, nailed it. You know, it's funny. I actually, you bring up the riff thing, back to the, the riff thing. I was listening to a podcast yeah. where they were talking about, you know, songs that sound like other songs and like, you know, lawsuits and, and stuff like that. And there's, you know, there's a handful of like ones everyone knows about, like the Tom Petty, Sam Smith one or, um, you know, things like that. Uh, but uh, he actually said in the podcast that you can't copyright a guitar riff. There's no actual way to do that. So you could basically take the Stairway to Heaven intro riff and use it in your song and nobody could, could there could be no legal ramifications for that. I think that's actually not true. I'll tell you why, because at least back in the early days, there were many lawsuits based on the succession of notes. Um, and I, the most famous one is David Bowie, oh, uh, right. is the right. Vanilla Ice David Bowie Queen song under pressure. Sure. And that was just about do, 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 do. And he was like in court saying, Hey man, mine goes da, 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 da. It had like one extra note. And he was debating whether he would had sampled and not given a royalty. So well, I think that's actually not true, but I'm not sure if it, if, if it's specific to a guitar, but I know that you cannot take, a succession of notes beyond a certain amount without right. at least oh, warning totally. the possibility of a lawsuit. Cause, cause it happens and most people win Sam. I mean, Sam cook lost, but he didn't fight it. Sam cook is a good guy. He actually said to Tom Petty, I'm really sorry. I love that yeah, song yeah, yeah. and respect you. I kind of blew it. I made a mistake. Like it was, it, cause don't you, you, you must know this. I've written songs. Sure. Like it's a happy accident. 
in an unhappy accident. Like I, there's a song on the uh, Lag Wagon album <laughs> Resolve, and I won't say which one it is. So if when somebody wants to go listen to it and do the test, but it is Polly oh, okay. by Nirvana. The melody and the guitar riff is really like. And I totally accidentally did that. And when the record was done and we were mixing it, some friend of mine heard something and went, you know, uh, and I went and looked at me and went, yeah, Polly. And I just went, Oh no. Cause I kind of pride myself on not being directly derivative. No, but so you, you do it without realizing it, you know, like there's that old story about, about Paul McCartney writing yesterday and, yeah. and thinking it was another song for years before that story. I love that story. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, God, it's, isn't that the point? It's like, no, I think we're good. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, that fucking song is so amazing and so original and he was worried. Yeah. That's that, that makes me feel good. It, no, it is. It is crazy. No, but that, that's what they said about the riff and isn't the vanilla ice thing. Isn't that, like actually like sampled from the record though. Like they didn't re-record that. It sounds I think he re-recorded oh, it. Really? And I, I think the debate was well, listen, I'm not certain, but I feel like that was what the case was about. Was about, well mine has an extra note, you know. I mean it is in the era when sampling was just all the rage, you know, uh, uh, coming out of all the hip hop sampling when it went yeah. all there's some good documentaries about this sort of thing, but uh, I, I, as I recall, it sure sounds a lot like it, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it sure does. And when I when I heard that for yeah. the first time, I was a kid. And I never heard a Queen or or Bowie or anything. But um, you know, yeah, so a I, lot of people I heard, heard that one later. first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but um, you know, it's funny you talk about the legal stuff. It's something we never talk about on the show. But you know, you guys always used like movie clips, like. I doubt you ever got any clearance for that. Like, was there any, there was never no. any blowback on any stuff like that? Or, or what about when you did, um, Smashing Through the Boundaries, Lunacy Has Found Me, uh, Gotta Raise a Family, you know, like just, sure. a, just a Metallica like lift. Like, was there any totally. ever concern or were you just like, ah, eh, fuck it. What are, what are no, they going to do? I, I always felt like as somebody like, well, I don't know about that drummer, you know, cause he's, he's a little touchy, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. My feeling all with something like that is that it was homage, you know, that it sure, was a tribute, sure. like that, that somebody might hear it and realize that I'm writing a song about like, I'm fucking, you know, like it, the joke is, of course, I'm going to fucking go for it. I'm going to have a family <laughs> as opposed to like what really going for it is, is the, you know, fucking kicking ass, you know, or whatever yes. doing, take it, not, you know, taking names or whatever the phrases are. Um, you know, so that to me was just funny tongue in cheek. And I figured if I was the guy in the band and heard that, I'd go, that's awesome. Like, that's a funny little bit there. And it's an, it's clearly a tribute. I mean, I love that band, <laughs> but, too. uh, yeah, so I, I there was that, you know, but um, the other side of it is is um, the samples and, the, you know, the other part of the question is, yeah, that was really us just being young and naive. You know, we, we, we stopped doing that at some point because we realized, oh, we're actually getting kind of popular. <laughs> some, some of you might actually hear, these aren't demo tapes anymore, you know? Yeah, of course. And, I mean, I got to tell you something, man, just to, to exemplify... And support that. The very first album by Lagwagon, duh, the original release of that for many years, I mean, at least 20 years, had my parents' address on the back of the album or inside the sure, album of course. as the contact. 
what? And so there was a period of time before my parents moved where like, you know, every few months, uh, like a couple of German kids would show up. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they would. (laughs) The story came to here. That's funny. Yeah. Well, that, that happens to my parents sometimes. And my, my dad for years, my, like my, when our band was started, my parents ran our merch store when I was on tour. So, uh, wow, that's cool. so kids would, kids would come to the house sometimes. So my dad would like give them free merch. And I think that the, the awesome. word, word went around, uh, and then kids were like, Hey, if you go to Shane's house, you get a free t-shirt. So then more, wow, more kids came great. and, uh, yeah. So if anyone listens to this, don't go to my house, please don't go to my yeah, house. Yeah. Please uh, do not. My parents don't do the merch anymore. So, but, <laughs> but no, it's funny. And, and I was, I think I was talking to, um, Justin from anti flag about that. The old, you know, like put your phone number, uh, your home phone number, parents phone number in the in the demo, and someone would call the book a show and ask for you know yeah. ask for Joey. Like those days were so, so funny. I know I did all those things. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is my mom's really great. You know she, the, I remember she would call me. Oh, some some more you know Europeans came by because there's always the Europeans, but. Uh, and then, and then she, she would, I think it made her kind of like proud and she would sort of, right. you know, it, there's two things that happen. One is that they see that you're getting some kind of thing and then they finally drop the, I wish you'd gone to school, you know? Um, but, uh, the other part is the first year that, you know, if you're fortunate enough, I had like one or two really, really good years where I made more money than they did. And those, 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 I remember the first time that happened. You know, kind of saying, hey, guess what I made this year? So no more talk about me being a doctor. <laughs> no, yeah. that's funny. No, well, it's good to have supportive parents. Um, I think, you know, I think it's almost essential. Oh, it's pretty cool. You know. It really is. Um, Otherwise, it's just rebellion and it shouldn't be about that. No, it shouldn't be. So, you know, it seems like you got such a passion for, for producing, writing songs, not that much of a passion for singing which is interesting no. and probably su- surprising for some people to hear no, i hate it the one week record really thing and the the passion for recording is is awesome and you know trying to do a record with a guy in in one week is amazing yeah. what about the business side of that though is that a pain in the ass no because i have two partners that handle most of that stuff and it's it's kind of a it's a what do you call it a passion project yeah, totally. Not, none of all three of us have other things we do, and all three of us are just engaged in it for a m- moments here and there. Me when I produce the records, those guys when we have w- some administrative work to do. It's all digital. There's no manufacturing. We don't use distro. Uh, we do no PR. It's a session like a BBC. So when people do a record, we don't owe them like a whole bunch of promotion. It's really just like cost no money. And it's sort of a pleasure to be a part of. I love it because I get to do the creative stuff, and and it's really fun. But yeah, it's um, it's not a pain in the ass at all. If anything, the only downside would be when somebody doesn't totally understand that it's not a real record label, you know. And so, <laughs> even though you tell them over and over before they come in, like we're doing this thing, we're going to put it out, and then like see you later, and you're welcome to do anything with the vinyl. You know, all I want is a copy that's in the contract. Like, <laughs> give me one copy of the record for my collection, you know. But it's just a digital thing, you know. And it's it's meant, it, it, I, you know, why I do it is because I believe that 
given a constraint, you know, uh, you make better um, decisions sometimes when you're just inspired and you go with the first choice. And so you don't have a lot of time to really think about things. And, and I feel like there's a thing about uh, a performance when it's a singer-songwriter and, and you can get them to do, if they're good enough to do live stuff, you know, there's, there's something that you get that's sort of magical. And yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of music, so I, I, that's what it's all about for me, is just songwriters that I think people should hear. And on occasion, someday someone's already heard. But yeah, there's, it's not a pain in the ass. It's, it's, it's uh, really just all a pleasure. I love it. Awesome. Well, despite the, you know, it kind of being the same approach with every artist, it must be so different. You must have guys come in very prepared, have a whole bunch of songs, they're ready to go, they know their shit. Yeah. I know you told me like Chris, like Chris from the Flatliners was like that. Uh, but then some people probably come in with like, I don't know, man, like here's a couple chords and a couple words. Chris, Chris, not to be contrary, but Chris was the guy. Yeah. Everybody, I do a ton of pre-production and I learned from Chris because he was one of the first ones. Um, Chris is such a type B laid back, wonderful guy. Like just, you know, perfect for a guy like me because I'm type a all the way like i'm gonna have a heart attack that's how i'm going you know what i mean um so i'm i'm all stressed and chris is a guy that's just a total just the most pleasant person to hang out with not a mean bone in his body just a sweetheart you know and he's always positive i love him but he it's hard to get a guy like that on board with the idea that we're going to get all of our t's crossed and our eyes dotted and have this thing ready to go pre-production you know demos 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 so when we come in man we're just rolling and we're just looking for vibe and performance that's the idea right sure chris was the guy that we're two days out and he's got i've got like four tunes that are like iphone recordings which is what i want but there's no lyrics it's kind of like like and it's it's a fraction of an idea he and that's great for any kind of normal record especially because the creative part of like you know, building the songs together in the studio is awesome, but you need more than seven days for that. <laughs> However, totally. here's here's the irony and the, the, the incredible thing about this story is that Chris Creswell came in, and the very first day he said to me, hey man, so like there's this barbecue on Wednesday, which is like three, <laughs> four days away, right? Four and a half days. There's an evening barbecue and, you know, I thought we'd take a break. We'd get over. I thought we'd go to that. He didn't say take a break. I thought we'd just go to that. And he goes, oh, and then there's this gig I want to see Friday. And I'm like, okay, dude, here's the thing. No and no. Like, we have so much work to do. We're going to be doing this for 120 hours this week. Just get ready to drink a lot of coffee and not have a whole lot of fun because we didn't do enough homework. And he's like, all right, just chill, man. Everything's going to be fine. Day four, halfway through the day, boom, last vocal, last chord. And he just goes, all right, want to go to that barbecue? And I was like, <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. You know what I mean? I was like, I was almost mad because I was like, this kid is so fucking talented. And just, you know, he makes his own rules. And it it's really amazing. But I have not recorded too many people like him. He's yeah. truly, truly incredible and they started a band with them yeah that's one of the reasons <laughs> that you know sort of i mean we started a band before but if there okay. was going to be anyone that could you know step into tony's shoes for a record it was chris and i think we all agreed he's just such a great guy 
Yeah. And his songs are the best songs on that record. There you go. I mean, there you, go. you know, he, he's amazing. Did you hear he's filling in for Hot Water Music now? Oh, yeah. I just saw yeah. them actually oh, a couple weeks ago. How, how was that? Yeah. It was really good. I mean, Wollard, obviously, Wollard is Wollard and he's yeah. amazing. But if anybody was going to fill those shoes, same thing. I mean, he really, uh, he brought in a, a thing to it that was his own, and he really covered the Wallard, the, you know, the Chris Wallard basses. Like, it was killer. They were so good. It might have been the best Hot Water Music show I'd ever seen. They were <laughs> Amazing. awesome. Amazing. Yeah, it was really wild, man. Like, sound guy was on point. Um, set was good. I mean, it was just killer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you feel like sometimes these bands that you've seen so many times, they just something like they just get better with age? Like they guys just figure it out or they take it more seriously because they do like, you know, they don't get to do as much. So everything they do, they care about more. I like, because every time I see a band like that, that's, that's, you know, put out, Potwater's probably put out close to 10 records, maybe more. Um, you know, I always, I'm always impressed. Sure. Yeah, I think there's a thing where there, it's, it, I, I, I can only speak for my own band. I feel like there are waves, you know, and um, the one thing that happens is there's like a short wave, which is sort of we're good, we're bad, we're good, we had a great tour, we had a bad tour, we had a, yeah. you know, like over the years, and then there's the long waves, and the long wave is usually one or two big waves, and uh, and, and there's all the while that you're sort of, becoming tired of it and it's getting a little bit boring or yeah. you know it gets it feels a little humdrum so you're losing some of the inspiration you're also gaining experience and technical expertise and uh comfort on stage so a lot of times bands that have been around a really long time they have this kind of chemistry that you can't manufacture and i feel like that it is reflected in the records and the live show more importantly I don't know. My band, we had a show about, I guess it was uh, last year, but we had this show in Madrid in Spain. Yeah. And it was, it was the weirdest thing. We didn't rehearse. We hadn't played together in a while. When we flew out there, we played this show and I had a whole bunch of friends at the show and I agreed with them after the show that it was the best show we ever played. And I don't even know what the fuck happened. Like, I was just kind of like, it was flawless. We were so good that night. Um, and then the next night we played a festival in Barcelona and we were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that's about. But there there are times on tour now where, you know, we've had phases recently. And I prefer, I really like our last record better than any of the records we've made. So I can only see it, you know, from my own perspective or from a fan's perspective of other bands, um, what I usually see is uh, the songs seem to get less inspired over the years or, or less yeah. creative, and then the band, but the band is a better live band. It's true. But it's totally sometimes, true. sometimes both things happen. Sometimes yeah. the songwriting gets better and the band gets better. 
Well, that's the goal. That's the goal. No, I saw you guys play well, last year in, in Toronto. Uh, I actually went to the show by myself, which it was the first time I've ever done that. I just last yeah, minute. Yeah, it's a weird, it weird was, feeling, huh? It was weird. I loved it, though. I loved it because, you know, when, like I, I've loved your band for so many years, and it's like the kind of thing where I don't have to worry about where someone else wants to stand. I don't have to talk to yeah. anybody, but like yeah. I can just focus on the show, and I had a blast. But one thing about your set, and I'm sure you remember the show, it was at, it was at Phoenix, I think, in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. y- you played a lot of songs that I hadn't really heard you play, maybe ever or in a while. Mm. Like I was surprised, like a song like you played, like Rifle, you know, from the Haas record, one of my oh, favorite yeah. songs. You never, I've never heard you play that live before. So it's cool that yeah. you know you guys aren't phoning in your your set list and just saying, okay, well. We'll play these ones that everyone wants to hear, and then you know, a couple new ones, and and yeah. that's that. This, that's that's the thing is is you have to you have to keep working, you know, you have to keep trying, or else it's going to be not good. People don't they don't know why, but I know why. Song has to have be inspired. A set has to be inspired, and it's kind of the secret, you know. It's like they can tell. Um, and why are you doing it if you're, I mean, the, the, the other big question is why would you even bother doing any of this? If it's about money, that's bad. So I don't know. I, fortunately, I think the guys that I'm in a band with feel the same way. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky there. I was going to say, you know, rifle, it's interesting because that was a Derek signature song, our original drummer. And when he left the band after that record, and was struggling for a long time. We uh, that song when Dave joined the band. Dave, I think Dave really was the reason. He, he, I think he felt like he was overstepping his bounds for a long time. You know the boundary of respect. Like that's a that was just a Derek thing. And there's probably the possibility that he wasn't really going to do it honor you know honor it properly because Derek was such a f- amazing yeah. drummer. But now, I mean, Dave. Dave is a great drummer too, and and oh, he's one of the there best. was a there was a point where he just started to play the the intro at a rehearsal, and all of us were like, "Oh, dude, come on! Like, <laughs> we, we got to do that song," you know. And it, you know, it, it, I think that was one of those things. Like, Dave had to do it sooner or later, just to kind of check the list, you know. Totally. So. That's why it took so long to get in the set. No, no, it's that's that's cool. That's a cool story. And I always wondered about that song. And I think you know um, that was I was obsessed with with Derek as you know as a fan of punk rock when I was a kid. You know, I thought he was the best drummer. And uh, obviously, it's very sad what happened you know to him. And it's been, yeah. you know, it's been twelve well, more than twelve years now since he uh, yeah. took his own life. It's it's uh, it must be something you still. I mean, it must, you must think about it every day. I mean, yeah. Anyway, he's, close a bit, to him. he's a real, you know, muse for me in death and he was in life. And yeah. um, I'm the guy I'm working with now, my friend Asher, uh, they were really close. And, they, they, you know, we I don't think a day go by, goes by without like some sort of like, you know, mem- remembrance of, of uh, a Derek joke. Mostly really offensive humor, but um, <laughs> stuff that we can do by ourselves in a room because... Yeah, he was an, a fantastic guy. I mean, I always miss him. You know, it was a big hole in my life. My wife, who I married, uh, dated him for a long time before she dated me. Oh, and wow. the 
and I had a, gr- a girlfriend and the four of us lived together. I mean, it's a real weird kind of thing in my life. He's a big, big, big piece of uh, piece of the puzzle for sure. But, you know, uh, it's easy to find the resolve that you were very fortunate to have known someone like that. You know, that's I, I keep it in perspective. You know, we lose a lot of people in this yeah. world. Well, you're in your friend, part of your it. friend, Tony Sly. Uh, obviously, that was a same thing. Uh, brutal. Same brutal, thing. So. Yeah, it happens, man. It happens too often in my life for my taste. Of course, you know, it shouldn't happen at all, but it does happen. And um, I don't know. I, I suppose when I quit music, there's always a good counseling job for me because <laughs> I know that's a dark joke, but it, it is a dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's yeah. not far from the truth. I mean, not at all. So I want to ask you about uh, this whole, you know, May 16th phenomena, uh, because now there's Lagwagon Day. People are celebrating every every year. Uh, it's become this yeah, whole thing. Funny. It is funny. And it's and it's sort of strange. And I really wonder if when you, you know, when you guys wrote that song, whether when you wrote it or when the band kind of put it together, or it was recorded, if you kind of knew it would become, you know, your most popular song. I had no idea. I never do. Um, I think that some of my favorite songs that the band's done are songs that no one seems to care about. Like which but, ones? Uh, which ones? I'm a nerd, so. Oh, I like this song, I Must Be Hateful. I did an acoustic version of it, and it does really well in my acoustic set, but it's a song we never play live because yeah. it always kind of went over poorly. But I really love that one. I felt like that was a... a I, I, it may not have really come out quite right with the band, but there's another yeah. song called billionaire that's on um the blaze record i really like that song but you know doesn't really connect with people they want to hear the simple stuff you know and they want to hear the straightforward really and that's okay with me i mean i don't really care i, I don't i don't, I, i'm not i learned a long time ago not to be disappointed by what people respond to in your music it shouldn't matter anyway you just got to keep going and do what you want to do and and you you know it's for it's just a nice bonus if people like something you do but uh yeah it's interesting with may 16th um that's one of those songs i will confess that uh was one of the very few times where uh there is a, an original song that has a really similar melody oh really yeah that's more of a drag than the fact that there's a May 16th lag wagon day. Um, I don't mind that at all. Sure. I don't mind that at all because that's a nice day to trend. You know, I mean, it's like, if anything, it's lucky us. I mean, if people are talking about our band on one day a year, yeah. you know, even if it's token, I'm, I can't complain about that. I, we started uh, one week records on May 16th <laughs> and, and the funny thing about that is it's biannual royalties. So November 16th is the other royalty day, which is my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I actually noticed that, that's your half birthday. We have a, the bass player in my band, Billy, his birthday is my half birthday. So we always celebrate each other's half, half birthdays on, on our actual birthdays. So. What does that mean? Half birthday? Well, like, yeah, like halfway to your next birthday, like six months, you know. Oh, the half birthday. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 So. so May 16th is my half birthday. That's right. Yeah. There's, it's some cool. Yeah, that's cool. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is. It's kind of funny, you know, like the way that uh, you know we can. I can put something out on May sixteenth every year, 
and I try. I don't succeed every year, but um, you know, it's easier to get people's attention. <laughs> yeah, really I mean, it's, it's, these days. it's cool. Imagine, imagine you called the song like another Saturday or something. Like you know, forever changed. Mm-hmm. Whoops! But that I wonder. I know you're friends with the people that got married. You know the whole story about how you wrote it about yeah. a wedding you were invited to. Um, well, that's their wedding anniversary too. So I wonder if they check their Instagram. And they go lag wagon day. Come on, <laughs> it's, it's our anniversary. I don't know. I'll have to ask my friend about that because we're close. To, you know, we've right. come really close again. Um, you know, it's the funny thing about that song. I've spoken a, a few times, probably drunk, about what the song was about, and that's one of those things that was maybe a mistake. Oh, really? Okay, set the record. Him and I, him and I, have never spoken about it. Someday he's going to look at me and just like go, yeah, dude, what's up, May 16th? Like, someday he's going to call <laughs> me out on it. Um, and, you know, I'm not budging. It was a fucked up situation. And mm-hmm. I, my feelings were very hurt. I mean, I wrote the song in like 10 minutes. Probably why there's a derivative vocal line in it. But, yeah, it, uh, it is what it is. But the good news is it's all patched up and good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, um, have you guys ever done a cruise before? I see you're doing this vlogging cruise. No, I've been on a cruise before. I went with my, my family, my parents when I was younger and it was not for me. Oh, great. This is going to be really good then. Yeah. I'm not excited about that at all. That was one of those things we've been offered quite a few and we kept saying, I don't know, God, a cruise ship with a bunch of drunk punks. Like, I mean... How dangerous does that sound? I don't want to see anybody fall off the side of a rail. Like, yeah, dude. Uh, you know, I, 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 I but uh, I guess that they, they sort of have a, I'll probably just get some internet and catch up on some work and get drunk a couple times. And I have some good friends that are coming, you know, they're friends that are in the other bands. I, I suspect that it's actually going to be fun. I'm trying to keep, low expectations so that I'm pleasantly surprised. I think it's going to be pretty fun. I, I've never, we've never done a cruise either. I know there's, they did Are doing one? No, 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 we're not doing, we're not doing one right now. I would, I would actually mm. like to do one. Um, I mean, yes, the yeah. idea of being trapped on a boat is, can be a little scary, I guess, but I think it would just be fun. Just the atmosphere. And I've heard, I've heard it's a good it's vibe be because fun. it's like, yeah. nobody can kind of leave. No, like you're all kind of in this together, whether you're a, you're yeah. in a band or whether you're just attending it. So I, I think it could be a pretty a pretty cool vibe. Yeah, I think it'll end up being a blast. I'm just, you know, it's just a weird thing to get your head around, you know. But then on the other hand, how cool was that to put that on your list of a, of accomplishments? Like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I played I played a cruise ship. You know, next stop is the residency in Vegas with me first in the Gimme <laughs> Gimme's. That's that's on my my long list. You know, <laughs> why not, man? Why not? I think it would work. Totally. Maybe not, you know, maybe not the Bellagio or anything, but like there's probably no, somewhere, no, pretty, no, no. somewhere pretty cool to do. Oh, no. Yeah, it's going to be a beer can alley, you know, but <laughs> uh, but it's but it's a possibility. Absolutely, man. So uh, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but um, what else is going on in your world, whether it's Lagwagon or your solo stuff or other projects? Just the same stuff. I'm doing this solo album right now, which will take forever. And I'm, I produce a one-week record with a Spanish guy named Danny Amos in a couple weeks. 
Uh, I've got a tour. Uh, before that, I've got like four shows in California, solo shows, a one-week records tour with Zach Quinn from Pears and Brian Wallstrom and from Gomo and this guy Donald Spence from uh, Versus the World. We're doing San Diego, Orange County, um, Santa Barbara, and San Francisco. It's just like a short little okay. thing. And then uh, then I'm coming back doing more of this, and there's a whole bunch of flag wagon stuff, like festivals in yeah. Europe and and um uh, yeah it's uh, and there's some gimmies like south america it's basically my life just never changes it's just kind of like this crazy bipolar or multiple personality sort of existence and i'm lucky i i, I have the choice to do those things still i'm counting my blessings so sure. to speak you know that's awesome now it's great to see you doing so much stuff and you know uh all the best with all those projects man Thanks, man. I got one last question, and I, I want to ask you about the Lagwagon note. And, and I don't know if I say that if you know what I mean, but you, you don't know at all what I mean. Okay. I don't. I, our most popular song is, is called My Heroine, and it's, it's a very standard song. It's E minor, and the chords are like E minor, C, D, and G, you know. But it's the such bridge, a great chord progression, isn't it? So good, not not <laughs> yeah, in that order, is. not in that order. But uh, but in the bridge, yeah. in the bridge, I go to uh, a B major, you know, which has like an E flat in it, so it gives it that that sound. I love it. And when yeah, and when when um when I was recording it, our producer Cameron Webb, who actually just did the new No Effects record and everything, yeah, Cameron, uh, yeah, I met him, nice yeah, guy, great guy, great guy. He says to me, he goes, I don't know if this is this is the right, this is just weird, it's weird. I go, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, it sounds like, uh, like, like lag wagon or something. And I go, I know. Ah. That's why I like it. It sounds like lag wagon. And, and I just, you know, you have so many songs that go to that sort of, I guess it's a, I mean, I don't know how musical we want to get here, but you know, it's like a major, um, you know, third chord. Yeah. And um, it can be a seven chord. So that it yeah. leads to C basically uh, the way it is for me is a T minor, which is G major. And I do, uh, if it's a G major song, E minor song in that mode, yeah. uh, the, the B is the Beatles chord, you know, it's kind of <laughs> yes. E minor, C, G, D. And then on occasion, the, the B seven, which is a leading chord and sounds really magical and I can't get past it. It's in a, a million songs of mine because my brain just wants to hear it over and over again. I never get tired of it. No. I just never tired. But you can get creative within that. Sounds like you guys did, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, I don't know. There are times that I'm playing with uh, the piano player, Brian Wallstrom, I play with a lot. He gets together a lot with me on arrangements. And I'll do one of those things that I, I call them the Joey things because yeah. I have no better word for it. You know, it's just, it doesn't mean that I invented it or I have anything to do with that, but you, everybody's kind of got their things, you know? And I used to sort of try to like calculate, get away from them. But at some point I realized, no, that's a part of your style. Like everybody's got a style. You have to embrace it. So now I totally embrace it. But Brian, every once in a while I'll go, you know, instead of doing that Joey thing that you've done <laughs> on like 400 other songs, you could do this because he's a piano player and it's the greatest thing. Sure. Like he had a huge effect on the songs on hang and, uh, my last solo thing. And cause I, I work with him a lot on things. Um, and that's a cool thing too. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. The Joey it, Cord, it's funny. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it get, there's definitely stamps, you know, that, but that comes down to this, you know, if you ask me, that's a perspective issue, not uh, an issue of a songwriter because everybody has a different perception on who it was, who kind of made that a thing. And that has to do with your experience in life. For me, it's the Beatles, but yeah. For maybe some other people, like Cameron, I guess it's maybe me, you know? Right. I don't know. Lucky well, me. I'm a huge Definitely Beatles. wasn't me, though. <laughs> I'm a huge Beatles fan, too, though, and, and I know yeah. what you're talking about, but it's not It's not, not in quite the same context that it's used. No, theirs would be like the F-sharp before the G, the yeah. F-sharp 7 or something. That's yeah. that's more of their bag. Yeah, I but mean, it's no effects, similar, you know, yeah. Fat Mike does it a lot, too, and I think there's probably yeah. a bit of back and forth with you guys being friends and some influence there, too. That's that's kind of yeah. But but then it it took you know it took punk rock in that sort of direction, and there was a lot of bands that that started doing it you know uh, because of you guys. So it's just I don't know. It's just that's, a, a cool, interesting thing. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, I never think about those things, you know, because again, you know, perspective and age, and you know where you're from in the world, and all these things have to have. There's so much. There's so many variables, but. That's nice to hear. <laughs> well, no problem. Man. Well, thank you. I'll for, take it. Thank you for taking the time, man, and uh, appreciate you doing this. No, it was a pleasure. I really dug it. I'm glad it wasn't uh, what I thought it might be. Like you how many chicks? Mean? How many chicks did you slam uh, on the or trash like tour? you poor soul? You know, oh god, everybody. Did, you know, like let's commiserate on how hard it is to be an artist. You know, like I don't know, but or 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 just the that other yeah, like the, exactly like do you are you wearing a shirt right now or not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very funny, man. Uh, yeah, yeah well, that's great. No, this is really fun. I I enjoyed it. Thank thanks, you. man. Well, hey, we'll do it again sometime, maybe. When you got sure. another project to plug. Okay, brother. All the best, Joey. Yeah, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. Take care. So there it is with Joey. Great conversation. Guy made me laugh, and we talked about a lot of very cool things. So thanks for tuning in. Again, feel free to go back. We got like 112 or something episodes uh, to check out. Um, And I'm pretty proud of all of them, actually. And some of them are very cool. So go back. Let me know what you think. Again, you can email me, weedsingersyndrome at gmail.com, or hit me up on all the social media stuff. We are pretty much on all of them. And I did bring up that it is going to be my birthday on February 13th. Um, I'm going to turn 37 years old. That's right, 37 in a row uh, birthdays. And I am feeling pretty old. But I'm also feeling very good about things in my life right now. Um, I know a lot of people ask about buying me things. I had a, so many great gifts given to me for Christmas. I do have an Amazon wish list if you want to check it out. Of course, no pressure. Uh, it is weedsingersyndrome.com slash wishlist. And I have a bunch of items on there. Some of them are related to this podcast. You know, picking up equipment to try to make these things sound better. New microphones and such. Some of them are things, you know, I use around the house. Clothing I wear on stage. All different kinds of stuff. So feel free if you want to throw me a bone. WeedSingerSyndrome.com slash wishlist. Also, if you want to support the show, check out the Weed Singer Syndrome All Access Club. That is the best way to support the show. For only $6 a month, you get bonus episodes, Q&A sessions with me, merch shipped to your house every three months, and you become a part of a great community. Shout out to all my sinners worldwide. So many of them. Every, every day I meet these people that I interact with online, and it's cool to meet them face-to-face and hang out. So please check it out. Again, that link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access.
So as you know, if you've listened to this before, I always play music at the end of the show. And this is a tough one for me because there's so many great Lagwagon songs. But I think I'm going to go with the song we talked about a lot in this podcast and a song that is, you know, it's the most popular Lagwagon song. So maybe you haven't heard Lagwagon much. This is a good place to start. Here is May 16th by Lagwagon on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. And we'll see you next week.